This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. everyone welcome back to more than amuse this is our bonus episode for the month and our first time doing an episode like this and i'm i'm really excited for it yeah it was really fun um so if you don't know at the beginning of this month we announced that we were going to read the book fangirls by hannah ewins Mm -hmm. and um, we were able to do that over this month and then we had a wonderful conversation with emily from the new nine on -hmm. instagram and talk a little bit about the book and fangirls in general. It's callback to our earlier episode on fangirls if you want to go listen to that. But yeah, it's a great yeah. episode. I think it's like our eighth episode. Like very beginning of us doing this together, we did an episode all about just fangirls where you reference the book. But yes, now we were joined by Emily. And I just have to read her bio. It's because her the bio for The New Nine is representing the fangirls, which is yes. just obviously our exact vision so we love definitely and a cool thing about that is that she also was able to interview the author of fangirls Mm -hmm. um so hannah ewins herself not that long ago so i'll for sure link her interview with her in the show notes yeah it's super good um yeah because you should definitely go read that as well and check out her profile for sure it's just the new nine i'll spell out and then the number nine all right so here's that conversation here's the episode Hey everyone, it's Donnie. Before we get started on this week's episode, I just wanted to give you a brief overview and synopsis of the book that we read for this month. Um, as we talked about multiple times, the book is called Fangirls, Scenes from Modern Music Culture by Hannah Ewins. Um, the book opens up with a little bit of the history of fangirls. Um, the author is able to bring in a lot of personal touch to it, so oftentimes she'll bring up her own personal experiences being a fangirl throughout the book as well. Um, Each chapter focuses on a different music artist. So there's one for Lady Gaga, My Chemical Romance, um, One Direction, of course, (laughs) along with um, different interviews at the end of each chapter from people who were members of a band or who were fangirls in the past or um, had like an experience that they were overwhelmed by. So the author did a really great job of mixing like this past present voice throughout the whole book of like these different categories and groups of fangirls and the impact that being a fan had on them. Um, It's 256 pages, so it's a pretty easy read. Um, The chapters are long, but there's only 10 of them. And it goes by pretty quick because of the interviews and different historical facts and everything she's able to mix in with it. It's definitely one of the easiest like nonfiction books I've ever read. Um, So if you're looking to learn a little bit more about sexism and how that affects the music industry and like fandoms as a whole, then this is definitely the one for you. So I hope you enjoy the episode and our interview with the new nine. And we look forward to being back with another book episode next month. Bye. Hi, it is nice to like meet you and talk with you. I was like thinking right before it was like a couple months ago, you like pulled up on my personal for you page on TikTok. And I was like, who is this person? I'm obsessed. 
like stalked all your videos and I was like, okay, so we have the same taste in music and everything. That's cool. And then went and followed you on the more than amuse TikTok and Instagram and everything. Cause I was like, she's so cool. And then now here we are. So I just think that's just so great. (laughs) Very serendipitous that I was like, like I said, it's like, I'm like, it's like, I'm the fangirl now who's like been obsessed with what you're doing. And now I'm like talking to you. So a little bit cool. That's what TikTok's for, you know? <laughs> really? Really? It does very good at that. It's- it does. It's pretty amazing. They've got that algorithm like figured out for sure. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I know. I love it too. It's like, it's, it makes it just seem so much less discouraging, I think, to like create stuff. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. It's, it's so funny. I, like my boss will always like the, oh, I saw this TikTok and this TikTok. And I'm like, you know, you don't see the same things I see. All of my stuff is music and cats. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I, <laughs> we are on very different sides of TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was doing uh, like a bunch of research for our Jane Austen episode. So I was like looking up a bunch of Pride and Prejudice ones. And now that's all I get on my For You page. It's like crap. I see so many Pride and Prejudice ones too. I get, uh, you know, they're great. <laughs> Anyways, well, thank you for being on mm-hmm. here. You know, like I said, like with just like your whole bio for the new mm-hmm. nine, it's like for the fangirls. And so when we were like, oh, we're talking about this fangirls book then I was like, oh, it'd be so cool to have her on there just to like get it. And then you were like, oh, and I interviewed her and I was like, wow, yeah. even more perfect. Out so. So well. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, it's, it's definitely like been a journey, you know, I feel like now fangirls, like it's mm-hmm. way less stigmatized, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just about like supporting all the women, you know? Totally. Um, I let's start this off on the right foot. So we know who you are and like, we've shouted out like with our sour episode, we referenced an article that you guys Mm -hmm. put out and everything, but do you want to give a little brief intro to who you are, the new nine and like all of that? Yeah. Whatever you want to mention about that. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I've been, you know, a music critic writing about music for, I mean, like since basically I graduated college and I just, I, I, myself experienced a lot of internalized misogyny with fangirl culture you know I really thought I was like not like other girls you know that annoying person and you know one of my friends was just all about one direction and I just I it like kind of changed how I perceived fangirls and I was like oh this is a me problem you know what I mean and I felt like a lot of the outlets I was writing for would kind of write off things as being you know super like too girly or oh it's like a fangirl thing and that just kind of started to piss me off (laughs) and and I wanted to create a space where you could share like your long rant about Harry Styles or like all of your fan theories about Taylor Swift and I wanted to get more you know women that wanted to write about music but never felt like they had that place because Mm -hmm. of kind of the snobbery of other music blogs and stuff you know how like Pitchfork very infamously wouldn't review 1989 by Taylor yes. Swift, but reviewed it by Ryan Adams, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. Dark times. <laughs> Very dark times. <laughs> to be a Swifty and call that out. Great times. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like changed my perspective on a lot of music. And, you know, we've been around for about five years mm-hmm. and, you know, we've just seen tremendous growth in, in the music industry and in the perception of fangirls. And, you know, we do lots of interviews with up and coming artists. We've featured a lot of acts that have gotten really big, like at the beginning of their careers. And so it's really cool to see that growth and to see that kind of change. 
Yeah. And that's like so cool that you can like be a stepping stone for so many different artists, you know, like that you can like be there when they're baby artists and then, you know, years later be like, ha ha, we knew it. We called it. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's such a great moment when that happens. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. And (laughs) I love like, like you mentioned with like the internalized misogyny, because I think that's like a journey a lot of us women go on. Oh yeah. Where it's like years later, you're like, oh, like, I was just like being kind of anti-women with like these opinions I was holding. Yeah, exactly. And I think not a lot of people realize that until like later, like I had a big Taylor Swift renaissance this year. I was like, I know I'm very pleased when I saw that. (laughs) I I never, I was never like actively anti-Taylor Swift, but I was like, that's just not for me. You know what I mean? And this, this pandemic really was like, now you are now Taylor Swift's like my top artist and I'm like wow what change we've had because our other writer (laughs) Samantha she's she's like the biggest Mm Swifty and she's she's just so she feels so proud that she has converted me at this point (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) I feel like too especially like even if it's like not like not liking the people but it's like sometimes like I used to feel such shame because like I think Stani and I, like our senior year of high school together, we ditched class. We got the 1989 CD. Like we've been devoted Swifties forever, but like I kept it so much on the down low. And then it's like the older, you know, it's like people are like, oh, it's just a phase. But like the older I get, the more obsessed I get because I'm like owning it more now. And I'm not like so ashamed of it. So it's like just interesting how we work through things. I love that. I think that's so common because that's how I feel for a lot of the girls that like, you know, we all met when we were in our like early twenties and now like we're like, I'm 30 and I'm like finally being like, oh yeah, I love this. And you can be so like proud of it because you're less, I guess, self-conscious about how other people perceive you. And I mean, like that shouldn't be a thing, but I guess, you know, you know, I mean, it's hard growing up and feeling like everyone's judging you all the time. And, yeah. but I, I definitely want girls to be more proud of what they love early on because like it, like we've seen with artists, like, you know, the Beatles is as soon as something becomes cool, it's when the men like it and yes. girls really get that credit for it. Yeah, oh, definitely. I actually want to, so that TikTok of yours that went huge. Oh my God. And so many people were so mad at you <laughs> in your mentions when you said that. Oh my gosh. That really, I made that in like five seconds and I was uh-huh. like cracking up to myself about it. And then to see that take, take off, it's like people want their TikToks to go I do not (laughs) and I saw and what what hurt me the most is all these five seconds of summer fans getting mad at it I'm like if you're mad at me calling something a boy band that's Mm -hmm. that's on your perception of that word and not about what it is you know what I mean yeah yeah and and I think that they have to figure that out because I know five seconds summer they're like we don't want to be called a boy band I'm like Okay, but you are a boy band like you are a band of boys <laughs> yeah and they had this whole that whole rolling stone interview where they were saying oh we want guys to be our fans and it's like why are you throwing girls under the bus yeah and it's hard for me to be a fan and I, I am a fan of them but after that interview it just like left it left a spot you know I me mean, where it just feels bad and I I'm sure they've grown and changed since then but it it always you know rubbed me the wrong way and to see their fans now getting mad at something that's such a, a women dominated word, you know, mm. girls like boy bands, you know, and yeah. for them to get insulted at that. I was like, you guys are missing the point. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> it's like yeah. I also the Beatles a boy band and Led Zeppelin. Like, let's not pretend yes. that Five Seconds of Summer is. I'm, well, I'm giving them an insult here. What I loved is there was like the Five Seconds of Summer fans that were mad, and then there were the pretentious <laughs> music fans that were like, "How dare you put the Beatles yeah. on the same level of One Direction?" And it was like they're both boy bands, like <laughs> not teenage girls that were obsessed with them. Yeah. No, in our we did a whole episode on fangirls and just that weird idea that things are cool once boys like them exactly. it's such a strange phenomenon and like what you're saying with the band interviewing it's almost as if they're putting more value in male fans because then it makes it like cooler like mm-hmm. the music is more pretentious and like official because boys like it yeah it's such a weird way to discredit women's opinions and likes and everything yeah. like what's the point in that it doesn't make any sense <laughs> It's so true. It's so true. And like you see it happen so much and it's, and it's like, you know, I think the reason so many, you know, Harry Styles is so popular is because he really embraces that, you know, and I feel like more artists need to be embracing their fangirls instead of being like, oh, why don't boys like me? You know, like, I think because as soon as like, you know, the women like you, the men start liking you. It's like a domino effect. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Well, and kind of bringing up the, the book, which yeah. that she t- read, like, excuse me, that we read, or I'm sorry, <laughs> she <wrote. laughs> that she wrote, there we go. Um, I, I like, didn't even realize that like Frank Sinatra, that mm-hmm. that was such a fangirl driven thing. And so it's so cool now that it's like all of the icons of our time, Elvis, Frank Sinatra, the Beatles, like the teenage girls knew it first, you know, like, and they're the ones who we, everyone else had to catch on to make it a big deal. And so, I don't know, it makes me excited too. I'm like, all right, where's One Direction going to be in 15 years? Like as far as legacy status, because I think the teenage girls called it again. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. They're always ahead of the curve. And even like dating back to like Franz Liszt way back in the day, it's like, it's, it's not a happening now thing it's a it's always been happening thing yeah and I think if more I mean music publications look at that as like a sign of what's to come um then they would be way more ahead of the curve as well mm-hmm. it's almost like the teenage girls are the tastemakers for the music industry in a lot of ways and exactly it's yeah. nice to see it being more embraced but I know that there's definitely like still a ways to go <laughs> Is there like changes that you would want to see as far as fangirls still in the music industry? I mean, I I do feel like it always comes up to a point where I'd like to see fangirls kind of respecting boundaries more. You know what Mm. I mean? And I feel like, and something I did talk to Hannah about is stan culture kind of going too far at a certain point. Like whenever I see someone who's reviewed a Taylor Swift album and they give it like, an 8.9 yes and the fans tear them down and it's like that person probably is a huge taylor swift fan Mm -hmm. and now you guys are all bullying this person and you know i think it's important even like when you love something you have to be critical of it you know what i mean yeah i'm a lana del rey fan so nobody knows that as well as i do (laughs) (laughs) yikes (laughs) (laughs) we can't help that that we love her but you have things in a critical point of view or or else you're following someone blindly you know I mean mm-hmm. I think that's a big yeah. problem in, in fangirl culture and you know varying into stan culture is if you can't see it 
objectively and like, yeah, if you push those boundaries too much and it leads on being disrespectful to the artist and to other people. Totally. That's a really good point. If it's just like, cause like you said, like there's so many, even just like, like not mean things that are said about artists, you know, where it's like suddenly then it's almost like they're too afraid. I think almost to say anything. Like I've listened to like podcasts with music critics and like, there's so many prefaces of like, I don't want the stands to get mad at me, but like, I just think this other album is better. And it's like, it's okay. Like if you get, if you have to be critical and objective, like, like I said, and I love that you brought up Lana Del Rey because relatable. Oh man. <laughs> like she raised me that woman, like, but like born to die in ultra violence. Oh man. Those are pinnacle <laughs> albums in my life, but like, you know, you have to be critical of things sometimes. Yeah. And especially like, I mean, the, the new Lord single that came out, mm. I was like, I'm not a, really a big fan of this. And people get yeah. so mad at me. I say, I don't love this. And it's like, you can, you can love it, mm-hmm. but you can also be critical of it. You don't have to like follow everything your favorite artist does. Yeah. Which I think I it's like that. with like stan culture, it's like you devote yourself to one. Like, who do you stan? Who is your icon on Twitter? You know what I mean? And like, yeah. that's, that's yeah. the hashtag you aspire to. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And, and even when it comes to being respectful of the artists themselves, you know, people yes. are just so demanding and they like, uh, especially like in fangirls, like the Halsey chapter, I think mm-hmm. is, is a important thing about respecting boundaries because I think she got a lot of like backlash for, you know, kissing fans. And it's like, but the fans are trying so hard to do that, that I think it does fall on the fans to respect those boundaries. And I've seen that kind of happen a lot with meet and greets and yeah. why artists don't do meet and greets anymore is because they're just so, you know, their fans can be so pushy with them. So I yeah. don't know that. I remember like there's something about like Justin Bieber, how it's like he had to cancel them because he was just like, by the end of it, like, how do you go out and do a show after you've been trying to give each person like that individual care and attention? Like, how do you go perform now at full capacity? Which like, and admittedly, like, that's not something I'd ever really considered that yeah. like, I'm like, yeah. cause for me, like I spend a whole hour, like whole day socializing with people. I'm exhausted. Like I need a break, but it's like, if I'm having to like maintain this, like, I'm your icon and I have to be completely on. So you don't, I don't like, you know, ruin this perfect image. Like that is, I'm sure very exhausting. Yeah. There was one part, like one of the interviews she did at the end of the chapter at the beginning of the book that she did with a band member. I can't remember what band it was, but they talked about that, how in the meet and greets, people would come up and be like, oh, I was so depressed and like talking about like all their emotions and everything and like the struggles that they're going through in the trials. Mm-hmm. And then they had to turn around and go do a set and how yeah. like emotionally draining it was to like, even though they love their fans and they're so grateful, it's like, that's a lot to put on a person and then to have to go do like an amazing performance. So mm-hmm. I can't even imagine the pressure that must come from like being in that position. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think they talked about in the, uh, the Lady Gaga part too is yeah. She would try so hard to like always be there for her fans, but at the same time, like you have to take care of yourself. And, yeah. you know, I think that is something I, I was friends with this band and they would just be so exhausted all the time from like fan demands. And it's like, you want to be there and you want to be supportive, but at the same time, like, yeah, you've got to go put on a show and do all this stuff. So I think there definitely needs to be a level of like respect from fans to bands to an artist to 
like have those kind of boundaries yeah Yeah. like recognize their humanity a little instead of just revering them as icons (laughs) yeah like that's what I was gonna say it's like when you put someone on a pedestal like they're going to fall from it eventually Mm -hmm. because they're human beings like we're all gonna do stupid stuff so it's like I don't know I cannot imagine (laughs) I know grateful we're not at that level of fame (laughs) For sure. <laughs> well, that's what like this morning, like I work from home and um, yeah, I watched the Reputation Stadium tour this morning as I was working <laughs> on Netflix because that's just, you know, it's a good comfort thing to have in the background. But like, I was just like watching her like talk to the audience and like walk through the crowd. And I was just like, everyone in this audience, like me included, I went to that tour, like worships her. And like, um, my husband was like off to the corner. He was like, I wonder like how that messes with someone to like hear all those people just like cheering for you that loudly every night. And I was like, well, we've watched Miss Americana. We know what happens here. So I don't know. It was just like, I had like that remembrance, I guess this morning of like, wow, these people are people. Okay. You know, we got to be careful here. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I, I think that's a big thing is like realizing everyone that like all these like celebrities and all these like artists, they're at the end of the day, they're just people, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, it's great, like to worship them in a fan way. It's also like, yes. that they're just like humans, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. I think that was one of my favorite things about the book. Cause I definitely was like very critical of fangirls growing up. Cause I wasn't into a lot of the boy bands. Um, but seeing like the level of humanity that she was able to reach by like interviewing these girls and like older fangirls who had loved like the Beatles or different things and and talking to them there was like a different level of like oh like these are just regular people who just really love something you know like it was a lot easier to relate to everyone in the book because it was like oh yeah like I felt that way you know like everyone does everyone loves stuff just like at varying (laughs) degrees (laughs) like it doesn't have to be such a foreign thing that's like Mm -mm. preposterous or whatever (laughs) yeah Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I, I loved that so much. And it felt like, um, all like the letters, I really love the letters from all the, mm-hmm. all the fans because that really was something that felt like really special and personal. And it showed you the level of, I always feel like when people think fangirls, I think like one direction Taylor Swift, but it's, it's more than that. It's like all these different bands, it's all these different artists and I feel like that's not covered as much like, you know, the niche fandoms. Yeah, yes. no, the My Chemical Romance one was really eye-opening for me. Yeah. So it's like, I liked a few of their songs, like I listened to them, but I was never like a diehard fan. And I definitely missed out on like all those news headlines that were happening. Like I never would have even fathomed <laughs> that that had happened. <laughs> so it was cool to see that. It's funny to think back on a time where like emo was considered so controversial, you know? <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's what I think I like saw a TikTok recently, or I don't know. I don't remember actually where I read it, where it's like, I've now realized that like so many songs, like we were all just really emo, like with mm-hmm. Paramore and like my, like we, everyone just was because that's all the nostalgic songs now from that time. Yeah. Now it's classified as like the emo songs. It's like, well, all right. <laughs> I feel yeah. like we were all listening to them. <laughs> we we're all going through it. Yeah. It, yeah. I really love that because it just really does show there's like different types of fan girls, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That it's not the crazed One Direction fan that, you know, would sell their soul to not Harry Styles or Niall Horan, whatever. But <laughs> no, I like that. 
I would still sell my soul to Harry Styles. I mean, I was going to say, I'm like, well, I mean, <laughs> that's what I'm here for. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. I mean, if the opportunity presents itself, like, <laughs> who do you consider yourself a fangirl of? I feel like, cause you're a part of a niche fandom, correct? Yes. I, you know, I'm all over the map. Like I, I'm a huge, you know, I'm obviously like a big pop fan, but mm-hmm. I grew up like the biggest Jack White fan. I just mm-hmm. loved him so much. I thought he was mm-hmm. such a babe. I <laughs> thought he was so cool and edgy and talented. And I'd watch all of his like interviews on repeat and all of his like documentaries. And it, like my parents like would joke all the time about it when I was like growing up. And I was, yeah, I was like really into the rock scene you know, I grew up listening to, to a lot of like older music with my mm-hmm. parents. So I was like big on, on like more like the rock culture and uh, yeah, Jack White still to this day, I would, I would die if I met him, you know, <laughs> I don't think it's allowed. I don't think I can ever meet him because at this point it's just like embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd be like embarrassed to meet him because like, how would you compose yourself? (laughs) Yeah. Like, and I, I had like my, my, I always talk about this, but I had like my LA moment where I like walked, I actually walked past him eating brunch, like right near my apartment. And I was so stupid because I thought it was a guy that looked like Jack White. I even like did a little double take and I was like, Oh wow, that guy looks just like Jack White without putting it together that probably that no perhaps it could be him <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that'd be a weird thing to just happen to look like I guess yes. I would, like, freshly I like my hair was wet I had no makeup on I was going to get groceries like looking slobby and I I think about that moment all the time of how I just missed my meat cute with Jack White like <laughs> oh my gosh yeah but, you know Jack if you ever listen to this I clean up well. (laughs) (laughs) Confirmed from co-host here. (laughs) That would be so funny. That would totally be me if I ever moved to LA. I would just be like, oh, wow. There's a lot of like celebrity lookalikes in this town. I am the worst person at spotting any celebrity. And I'd say also (laughs) Alison Mosshart, I freak out for as well. I feel like it's important that, you know, everyone doesn't grow up just wanting, you know, the hot dude. You got to have girl over women as well, I think. Oh, and yeah. Like, besides, like, you know, I feel like Taylor Swift and stuff, like, people are using a fangirl over her, but, like, Alison Mosshart, oh, she was after my own heart growing up. She's just so edgy and so cool, and, like, she always, like, had this, like, great attitude. I just thought she was mm-hmm. the coolest person in the room, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. I feel like, for me, like growing up now in retrospect, I'm like, most of the people I fangirled over were just other women because it was just like, that's who I want to emulate. Like, that's who I want to be, which like, I obviously like, I had my Justin Bieber phase. Like, I'm not going to pretend I'm above that, but (laughs) (laughs) like, it was so many of it was just like, oh my gosh, they're so cool. How can I be them? (laughs) Like, that was so much of my fangirling, I think. Yeah. And I think that people get that wrong. People think girls just like, are following blindly these like beautiful boys but it's like you fangirl over like women too because you want to be them and Mm -hmm. and they're a good role model for you do you know what I mean like you want to grow up to emulate their coolness (laughs) totally no definitely I feel like for sure female fans get skipped over a lot when they like a female artist because of that reason that they're just like oh okay (laughs) (laughs) Like the idea of like giving fangirls like a voice to talk about music, I think is really cool because it's like, because fangirls are really smart. 
you know? Yeah. And, and like, also it's like, they grew up listening to that music that it's like, I know, like I can be objective about Taylor Swift. Sometimes it takes me a second. Like me was my most played song of 2019 because I'm a loyal fan though. Objectively Whoa. that is on the <laughs> choice. Bottom of my... yeah, I don't think I'm that loyal. <laughs> I, I, I was pretty, I am pretty extreme, but I also can recognize that that is not a great song of hers, but going, but my point was saying that though, is I think though, like they can provide such like cool insight. And I was also saying, this another thing. I think you put it on TikTok where it's like the, I can't remember what TikTok it was really stitched with. I'm forgetting, but it's like just the idea of it's like, they have this capability of like organizing and like, almost like creating like almost like being the PR for fans sometimes like the way they monopolize together and push these artists to be number one or like even like the stand cultures that like will listen to their artists on repeat all night long because they want to help them get the number one even though like you know like the artists aren't asking them to do that it's just I made like three points in that sentence but my <laughs> main thing is like I think it's really cool to give those people a voice because they are very intelligent and they know a ton about the industry oh, yeah like I think nobody really knows more about the music industry and the bands and the artists that they love more than fangirls because mm-hmm. they, they're committing so much of their time to it and so much of their brain power to it mm-hmm. that you know they just they're so smart they know exactly what people want they know what the other fans want and you know they create they're basically creating free content for all these yeah. artists true you know like in the book when uh all those girls could track down exactly where harry styles was landing yes that's insanely private investigation like (laughs) to like let's like have you guys solving crimes like this is amazing yeah oh my god they could solve every crime we just need materials (laughs) yeah even like the girls that were in line like queuing or like buying concert tickets with multiple different cell phones and stuff that was just insane to me like the level of dedication and organization that they went through in order to like be dedicated fans (laughs) or like I remember like when Taylor Swift like one of her albums whatever or singles you know, it was pretty obvious they were trying to get it to no- go number one. There'd be so many like threads on Twitter of being like, if you buy it, this will count for this many points. You need to stream it for this many points. If you get a physical copy. And I was just like, how do they know this? But it's like, they yeah. just know these intricacies because they're just so loyal <laughs> to their artists. Okay. that it's like, like it's so all, all the chart metrics, like they're like data specialists. At this I, that's what I'm like, okay. So like, let's add data specialists exactly to your resume, <laughs> private investigator. Sure. Like it's incredible. Well, so, and there's, that, there's that tweet that went around like the fangirl to music industry pipeline, you know? Mm-hmm. So true. I mean, I work in the music industry now. Like it's so easy to just make that transition because, you know, you really do gather so much knowledge, like growing up, like loving all these artists and, following them especially now when it's everything's so open on social media like Mm -hmm. I was growing up with MySpace it was different like but now Mm -hmm. you you have so much data and information like all the time that you can easily find and you know they're doing great things yeah and like oh sorry go on study oh no I was just that's what I was about to ask you actually is if you had noticed a trend in the music industry of more fangirls becoming like the music critics and stuff music critics yes I feel like there are still a lot of doors closed to Mm -hmm. women in the music industry. I do think it's, I do still think it's harder for women to make it in the music industry, Mm -hmm. especially 
in that first step. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. yeah. I mean, it's a sad thing that men are, are taken more seriously in the music industry because people do have the prejudice that uh, if you're a huge fan of this artist, you're going to be unprofessional with them or mm-hmm. that, you know, you can't be taken seriously. There is still that prejudice, mm-hmm. but a lot of the women that I know that work in the music industry will like end up working for their favorite artists at some point they, or they will be interacting with them at some point. And it's, it's stupid that people think that women can't behave professionally yeah. when they're around someone they admire, you know what I mean? Because it, it happens all the time and it's not hard. It's like yeah. that kind of prejudice still, I think, but I do think it's slowly changing as, you know, as times change, as the old music dudes start retiring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I guess that makes sense that that, cause I think there's still like that, um, people would put it with like, oh, the crazed fan girls. So it's like, oh, yeah. they're going to just go crazy when it's like, no, women can be professional. I swear. I'm like we can maintain <laughs> boundaries. All the time. Yes. Every day has for decades. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Well, um, I guess Sonny, did you have anything else that needs to be brought up or we can get this wrapped up? Yeah, I don't think so. Just yeah. thanks for your page and everything that you're doing. It's wonderful yeah. to have that community out there and it's so inspiring. Every time a new article comes out, I'm excited because you guys have great opinions and content mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. That's what I was like, just thinking that it's like, you know, it can be hard for women to break through doors. And so it's cool that like, you're creating spaces that, you know, that you can just decide who gets to open the doors and you get open it for everyone. So that's like really cool that you get to do that. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. I love what y'all are doing and yeah, thank you so much for the support and everything. It means the world Mm -hmm. to me. Absolutely. Thank you again for being here and chatting with us about fangirls and all that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, perfect. Well, we will let you go. Thank you again. Bye. Okay. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed that conversation with Emily as much as we did. Um, it definitely was some great perspectives on fangirls and the book in general. Um, so yeah, if that inspired you more, go check out the book. You can Mm -hmm. buy the ebook on Amazon and it's super cheap. Um, or you can get the real copy too. But we're going to take some time to announce our new book for next month for July. Which, Sadie, you already own, don't you? I do. Okay, so it was in our Art Couples episode that we referenced it. If you weren't here or if you didn't get the chance to listen, in February for our topic episodes, we did an episode about bad couples in the art world. And then we also did one for the good couples. Um, and then there is this book, which so happens to also be the name of our podcast, which is, of I course, know. perfect. So this book is More Than a Muse. Yeah, it's More Than a Muse, Creative Partnerships That Sold Talented Women Short. Yep, which is exactly and, what yeah. we tried to make that episode about. But I didn't get the chance to read the book. I like read only like mm-hmm. the first couple chapters. But I can't wait to finish it and dive into it more. Yeah. No, it's going to be a fun one. And I love the little, like, paragraph about it. I'll read it really quick. Um, How many times have you seen a woman artist solely referred to as the wife, girlfriend, muse, or mistress of a man in the public eye? Throughout history, the achievements of women working across artistic disciplines, from visual artists to writers to filmmakers, have been largely undervalued with the title of genius reserved mainly for men. Mm-hmm. So this book is all about the women and their contributions to the arts and the artists um, rather than just the men themselves. And it's by Katie McCab. So, yes. Yeah. So if you want to join us, follow along, get a copy. 
read it with us and then the month of at the end of the month the last wednesday of july we will post our episode and our thoughts about it yeah and we would love to have you share any thoughts that you have as well and join us in reading this month so yeah we'll be back next week with another episode we'll be back on monday thanks so much for listening (laughs) yep bye bye Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.